Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, October 16th. It's that time of the year. Time to roll up, uh, not the rim, <laughs> but your sleeve. We catch up with Amin Kanji, pharmacist and owner of The Medicine Shop Pharmacy, for his thoughts on just how severe this year's flu season may be and why you may want to consider getting a COVID booster at the same time. Next, could your doctor soon prescribe running to combat your depression? We hear details on an interesting new study on the topic with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. And finally, we meet Dr. Joseph Parent, an author and an expert who will help you get out of your own way and get the most out of your life. We hear how Dr. Parent takes lessons learned from Winnie the Pooh to help bring more kindness, caring, and peace to the world. The seasonal flu shot campaign begins today. Even better, this year, Albertans can get both the flu and COVID-19 booster at the same time. Here to talk vaccines and to give us ours, as he does every year, is pharmacist at Medicine Shop, Amin Kanji. Good morning, Amin. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for being here, as always, with us uh, as we kick off the flu season shots. Um, First off, though, tell the listeners where your shop is, because I got to say, you give a really good needle, honestly. Well, if you want the best needle... uh, you can come to the medicine shop uh, number 398 in Killarney. We're just off of uh, 37th Street and 19th Avenue Southwest. Perfect. Got the shots ready to go, and uh, today is the day I'm in. Uh, let's talk about how severe or what sort of a flu season uh, that we're seeing, and, and what do we know about it? So I think we're anticipating uh, a fairly um, severe flu season this year. Uh, you know, with COVID over the last few years, and obviously with a lot of patients living in congregate living facilities. Uh, with the weather that's supposed to be, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we don't get a, a, a harsh winter, but my sense is that we are probably going to get a colder winter this year. So a lot of people are going to be indoors, um, and we're already seeing a lot of people getting sick with viral infections already. Mm-hmm. So I think it's earlier than normal. So I think we will anticipate probably a busier flu season this year. I, I understand there are two flu shots. Is there one that's a little higher potency for seniors? Is that right? Yes. So there's a high-dose vaccine that's for 65 and over, uh, and then the regular flu vaccine for those that are under the age of 65. And when it comes to the ages, I have uh, young kids, uh, uh, two kids, six years old, and under uh, it's not as easy as just popping into your local pharmacy when it comes to certain age groups, right? So it is if you're five and over. So if you're five and over, you can walk into any pharmacy, make an appointment, okay. uh, and they can any pharmacist can administer the flu vaccine. If you have children under the age of five, then unfortunately you have to go through Alberta Health Services. So call 811 to find the nearest location uh, in your area to be able to uh, give your children the vaccine. Let's talk COVID shots or the COVID, um, is it, do we still call it a, a vaccine or are we calling it a booster or well, is there, can, does it know, matter? The joke that I make is it's, it sounds like, a, you know, like a, a I hate to say it, but like a bra size XBB, <laughs> you know, but it's uh, it's the Moderna XBB vaccine that's okay. out this year. Uh, this is the one that's only uh, has received approval from Health Canada. We're still waiting for the Pfizer. Um, it's the one that uh, protects you against the new variant strain that's out there. And I know a lot of people who have COVID right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. people. It is, it's going around yeah, again. Yeah, we're seeing a resurgence again. So again, and you people know, things really like, sick from it this time. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's been a while since anyone's had their COVID vaccine. So immunity has obviously waned. Uh, and so we're recommending that, you know, if you are 
you know, the immunocompromised, if you're more vulnerable, if you have predisposing conditions, if you're going to be exposed to anyone in the family. And a lot of us are going to get together at Christmas time as well, too. So I think we need to be mindful of that. Uh, a lot of us are going to be traveling as well. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a good idea to get the new COVID uh, bivalent vaccine mm-hmm. uh, as soon as you can, especially if you're eligible for that. I do, I do like how you mentioning that. Maybe not in your house or maybe not on a weekly basis, but let's look ahead to December, a few months from yeah. now, and you're going to be visiting. I want to ask you this because, yeah, you've got your, your shots ready. Today is the day. Every time they roll out the flu shots, and by they I mean you um, <laughs> and everybody in your profession, I mean, we hear... I'm not going to get the flu shot because guess what? Every time I get mm. the flu shot, I get the flu. Is that a fallacy or, or what, what, what is to that? You know, it's a fallacy. <laughs> Some patients will have reactions to the flu shot. And what I recommend to patients is make sure that, you know, when you get the flu shot, you are feeling well. You don't have a fever. You don't have a cough. Sometimes your body might be battling something that you're not aware of. And as soon as we give you the flu shot, you get sick. You get flu-like symptoms. Um, but you know what? I think the side effects of the flu vaccine are probably far better than actually getting the flu or COVID or the combination mm-hmm. of the two. And, you know, this year we're battling also what's going to be potentially the RSV vaccine. Mm. Uh, so there is a new vaccine that, you know, we're recommending for those over the age of 60, uh, especially those that are, again, immunocompromised. If you fall into one of those categories, uh, the new vaccine is called um, Rexv. And it is available in all pharmacies, uh, not covered by Alberta Health, unfortunately. So it is a pricey vaccine. But, you know, talk to your pharmacist, talk to your physician. And if you qualify, you know, um, make sure you, you know, call your pharmacist and your doctor and ask whether you qualify and should be getting the uh, RSV vaccine as what well. What is RSV? That's a respiratory? Respiratory, yeah. Okay. Now, and I know that probably people at home, well, oh, there's so many vaccines. Yeah. Is it harmful to get that many vaccines? It's not. No, uh, but I would say, you know, RSV is going to knock you down for a bit. It's like the shingles vaccine. So perhaps you want to space at that me? one. Because <laughs> I heard you haven't had your shingles yet. So. Yeah, so yeah, I guess it's being cognizant, talking to your pharmacist. How, again, this is just another question. If I'm getting two, do I have to expect it to take a lot longer at my uh, pharmacy? How long does it take to, to, to get these two You know vaccines? what, it's, it's literally 10 minutes. If we have the paperwork filled out, the consent form, we do have to uh, make sure that you wait in the pharmacy for about 15 minutes just to make sure we don't, you don't have any side effects, any reactions, like you know, anaphylaxis. Uh, and because the COVID vaccine is new, we want to make sure we're monitoring you a little bit more closely, right? It's, um, it's going to be the first day today where we're going to be sort of vaccinating patients with the new Moderna vaccine. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to watch my patients and just make sure that they're feeling well before I let them go. I'm in asking for a friend, but if um, somebody has had their first shingles shot, but because they felt sick and got scared and didn't want to go back for the second one, is it too late or should I, I mean, my friend, come back to see you for the second shingle shot? It's, it's never too late. Okay, good. <laughs> Ideally, you want to have uh, two to six months between the two doses. Oh, perfect. We're good. Yeah, yeah but never too late. Yeah. Okay, good. Fantastic. Thanks Andy, for, you and I could go together. To get, we hold hands? Yes. Go for a malted yes, after? Yes, we could skip yeah. home. It'll be <laughs> something like that and, and both be off the next day. Sure. Go. Good luck, boss. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Amin. We appreciate your message every year. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Okay. It's Amin Kanji, pharmacist and owner of the Medicine Shop Farm, uh, Pharmacy at 1935 37th Street Southwest. Could going for your daily run be as effective as taking medication to combat depression? That's the focus of an interesting new study, and this morning we're going to dig into it with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you. Welcome back to the program, Dr. J. You betcha. Good morning. 
Now, uh, full disclosure, we want the truth out of you, Dr. J. You're a runner yourself, aren't you? I, I am, and I did after I read this article with a big smile on my face. Let's put it that way. Oh, wow. Okay, so tell us. This sounds like a very specific study. Tell us about it. Yeah, and this is why uh, this study is sort of make, uh, making news, because it's, it's so specific. They talked about running. They didn't just talk about exercise. They talked about depression and went head-to-head with antidepressant use. So this is a Danish study, 140 people or so. Uh, they basically were randomized to you get an antidepressant or you have to run at least five days a week. And it's a 45-minute scheduled uh, run that's um, basically there's somebody uh, guiding it and somebody's there. So they had to prove that they were doing it. It's not something I just said, yes, I ran yesterday. It was all all in groups. And they went head-to-head, and the question is who did better. So you could uh, be depressed or you could be anxious or both coming into the study. Average age was about 38 years old, so it wasn't for really young folks, but it wasn't uh, the elderly either. It was sort of the middle middle of the pack, um, and 58% were female. So male and female, a little bit predominant female, which is uh, actually the stats of depression. What did we find out from this study? That running was ex- as good as antidepressants. It worked exactly the same. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, so it wasn't, yeah, it was a little bit better or, um, you know, did all right. It performed exactly the same as antidepressants, which perform very well, by the way. People always question this. Do they work? They work extremely well, but so did running in this in this uh, grouping. Uh, it was a 16-week study, so it didn't go very, very long, but the results were actually quite quick. Now, this other piece of this that I'll mention um, is that if antidepressants didn't offer any physical benefit, um, running did. So on running parameters, blood pressure was slightly better. Heart rate was slightly better. Uh, some people lost a little bit of weight. We're in the antidepressant group. Some people gained weight. So there was this huge also physical benefit along with a mental health benefit. So who comes out on top? Running. Okay, so I think we can understand the physical benefit of it. So how does the mental health part of it come into play? I mean, is it is it because of what, you know, physical activity does to our body that helps then with what's going on in the head? Like, how do those two kind of things come together? Yeah, it's a bit of both. So that it, it, there's a direct mental effect and uh, there's a, a uh, chemical BDNF. BDNF, right? That's the mnemonic for it um, that comes into play here. So we do know that if you actually take an antidepressant, uh, the chemistry in your brain is altered. But part of that alteration is um, is this BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. I won't get too technical on this, but we do know meds work through that. We do know that good counseling actually can raise this level. We do know that exercise can raise this level. So that's a direct chemical effect in the brain that all three of those uh, different tacks of how we treat depression can actually uh, play with. We also do know, uh, to your point, that the physicality of it, uh, it, it improves uh, sort of physical elements, uh, oxidative stress, which is bad for us. Um, and that has a, a whole body effect, but also has a brain effect. Our brain is part of our body. And if you, you uh, treat it well, as in make the blood pressure better, uh, take away some of these uh, stressors on the brain, uh, uh, manipulate cortisol levels, etc. 
that's actually very, very beneficial to how the brain functions how, uh, and whether uh, this be an objective or subjective uh, parameter. It functions better. It looks better. If you, if you uh, do a scan on it, it will actually even look better, which is fascinating. It's not just I, fe- I feel better subjectively. Something you kind of touched on there, but I want to expand on it a bit, Dr. J. This study, as mentioned, was super lasered in on running. But if I am physically active, uh, like, for example, maybe I'm a walker, maybe I lift weights or do Zumba. Is it more so getting the heart uh, consistently higher for, like you mentioned in the study, 45 minutes, five times a week? Uh, how, How does that work? Yeah, so in the study, and that's a great question, in the study they actually looked at target heart rates and the people in the study had to get there and had to exercise within that range. So that is probably a lot of this. Uh, Because yes, I might be a cyclist, I might be a walker, I might do whatever else. Um, So this study didn't look at that. It looks precisely at running. And I think that was a, a wise thing to do because a lot of studies just look at exercise in general and then that waters it down, and then we can't answer that question, right? Is it the heart rate? This study did look at the heart rate. So, yes, I think we could look uh, into the future and say, if you were to do an exercise and get to a reasonable heart rate and consistently do that. So the people actually only ran for 30 minutes. There was a warm-up for 10 minutes. Uh, they exercised and ran for 30 minutes, and then there was a cool-down for five minutes. So that's actually only 30 minutes per session. Uh, and yes, if you could walk for 30 minutes, keep your heart rate in that range, cycle, anything, it might have the exact same benefit. So, I mean, we don't have to kill ourselves at the gym. We just need to get our heart rate up yeah. from what the norm would be, correct? Yes, yeah, Sue. How many times have we talked about that <laughs> over the yeah. years, right? How crucially important that is. And again, now we have a little bit of science to back that up. But that's exactly correct. Um, if you walk your dog, it's nice to be outside. But if you're not actually walking and you're standing most of the time watching mm-hmm. your dog sniff things, you might not be getting the, the full benefit out of this. This has to be uh, consistent. It has to be purposeful. I'm going out there to exercise. And it could be in your house. It could be at a gym. It could be uh, outdoors. So for those folks who, who love to get their dog running at the dog park to roll up and let them run free for 20 minutes, doing that's fine as long as you're walking them in addition? Yes, mm-hmm. or doing something in addition, absolutely. Um, and that might make you feel good, but it might even be doing more than that. And again, this whole point of this, it's, it's wonderful to feel good and it's to, get, to get outside. But if I can actually treat mental health specifically, if I can now write a prescription and say, I have a study that says if you do this, I can help your depression and anxiety. Mm. Um, we might do that in addition to medication. It might, it's not an all or none. Uh, it could be combined with. But now this becomes a very specific tool that actually does work. And that is, that is, that's amazing and great. And yeah. I knew it. And I just needed proof of it, and I, now I little, have a little bit of proof. You were so yeah. ahead of your time, Dr. J. Thank <laughs> you. So, really. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? So it's nice to have the proof to back it up. Thank you so much. I think this is really important news that you're sharing. Thanks for joining us. Okay, you betcha. Appreciate it. Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. If you love Winnie the Pooh and you want to bring more kindness, peace, and quietness into your life, well, this book is for you on a Motivational Monday. It's called A Walk in the Wood, Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh, written by author and performance psychology and applied mindfulness expert, Dr. Joseph Parent. Good morning to you, Dr. Joe. Appreciate your time this morning. 
Good morning, Sue and Andy. Interesting title for sure. Can you break it down? How, how does Winnie the Pooh relate to mindfulness for you? Well, the the way the book came about, I wrote it with my sister. And she has written uh, and edited children's books for Disney for 20 or 30 years. Uh, that's been her career. <clears throat> and her editor had heard about a practice in Japan called uh, it's a bad translation, I think. It's called forest bathing. But the word is shinrin-yoku, and it means immersing yourself in the atmosphere of the forest and even in being mindful of your experience in the, as you walk through the forest and even taking in the smells from the eucalyptus and pine as a kind of aromatherapy. And that's what people have been starting to do in Japan and she said, well, what Disney character lives in the woods? Oh, Winnie the Pooh. Mm. So let's write a book about Winnie the Pooh experiencing for, uh, that kind of immersing in the atmosphere of mindfulness in the forest. <clears throat> and she said to my sister, well, your brother teaches mindfulness. Do you want to write this together? And we agreed, yes, that would be great. And that is how it came about. So we decided to make a day in Winnie the Pooh's life, where he got up and did his mindfulness practice and set his intentions for the day, and then walked through the wood and experienced his, uh, his sense perceptions and met his friends and was able to practice kindness and confidence and gratitude uh, and, and all of these important, <clears throat> important character values that we included in the book. And and it's set to be a family book where there are stories of Winnie the Pooh. And then afterwards, there's a, a little, a couple of pages of instructions on mindfulness and awareness and compassion practice, kindness practice that adults can share and teach their kids at the age appropriate level. So really, it's a book for all ages book for all ages and the timing it's it's counterintuitive dr parent in that we we are moving faster than ever you know we have a lot of stress coming you know from our devices our smartphones our computers it's an idea whose time has come but you know maybe even now more than ever as we fast forward through life this is the antidote isn't it well i want to share i i had planned to share with you one of the poems in each chapter uh we have a we wrote a little poem and and all of this is new material that my sister and I wrote um and there are some beautiful drawings from a, a a wonderful disney illustrator but we wrote a poem and this chapter is called one thing at a time and it's when pooh meets rabbit who's a very very busy character so andy you hit the nail on the head and and this is about um the problem of multitasking so I'll, I'll read this, uh, um, this poem. Rabbit gets in quite a stew, always has so much to do. If he did things one by one, he would have a lot more fun and maybe even get more done. Mm. Simple but now, true. I didn't, read it in the, <laughs> I didn't read it in the Winnie the Pooh voice, but <laughs> I, I, did, I, did, I did record the audio book. Um, and did the and did the voices for all the characters. So it, that was a lot of fun. That's fantastic. I love it. And I think that's the thing, right? It, it's it's simple. It's not 
it, it's we don't have to get too far out of our own heads to just understand very simple words that you know we try to do too much and and busy our lives with all these things and you know words and and just all that that noise that's going on it, it's pretty hard to to be peaceful and be happy and just move through life in a in an easy way isn't it well it, it's uh, it's simple but not easy and the simple thing is just to stop there's a tradition in um, Zen temples in Japan that one person would be assigned at random times during the day to ring the big temple bell. And when people heard that, they had to stop doing whatever they were doing and take at least three full, slow breaths Mm -hmm. and then start again. So we can do that in our lives. And, you know, instead of jumping for the phone, when it rings, make that a signal. Uh, I don't, you know, you called me this morning and I didn't answer on the first ring. So make that a signal to stop, take a couple of breaths, and then at least one, and then answer the phone. And you'll actually be in a better state of mind. You'll have an opportunity for one breath's worth of peace, and then be in a better position to respond to what's being Uh, told to you on the phone rather than react to what's being told to you. And if we can do that throughout the day, just moments, then we string them together and they get longer and longer. So it it really is possible. Uh, Dr. Perrin, is that under the umbrella, like within your title, you're an author and performance psychology and applied mindfulness expert. Is that under the umbrella of applied mindfulness? Because to me, you know, that is a, a very conscious decision to move yourself forward by taking a breath. That's exactly what applied mindfulness is. You don't just, you know, there's sitting meditation and that trains you. But the point is to take it out and do it in your life. And so that to apply this and, and in the first chapter of Winnie the Pooh, he sets his intention. Today, there's only two things that I need to do. And that to truly be Winnie the Pooh, and that is to be as mindful as I can and as kind as I can to myself and others. I love it. Uh, The book has easy-to-follow exercises in it. Uh, As we uh, say goodbye to you, is there another little tip maybe you can give our listeners as we try to motivate them today and beyond? What what would you say, Dr. Joe? Well, they can listen to the mindfulness uh, lessons and instruction that I teach on my YouTube channel. Uh, um, and my drjoeparent.com website, they can get access to all these things. But go to the YouTube channel, and you can practice along with the instruction. And I I do a free mindfulness lesson that you can uh, tune into. And and all I want to say is um, make a plan, make a resolve to do something intentional, not just reactive, intentional to, to do something today, even if it's just for five minutes. And then at the end of the day, you'll feel like you did accomplish what your resolve was. And that will keep you moving forward. And we, we, that way we can move forward and be mindful and kind to ourselves and others throughout the day. Fantastic. End off there. Uh, the book is called A Walk in the Wood, Meditations on Mindfulness with a Bear Named Pooh. You can find out more about what Dr. Joseph Parent is all about at drjoeparent.com. Thank you so much for your time, sir. We appreciate it. Great to talk with you.